Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. Are you afraid to sit in your feelings? Today, I have my favorite person, Amy Andrus. She is my old therapist. So if you listen to our old podcast, you definitely know um, who she is. <laughs> we talk about her a lot. So Amy is a licensed marriage and family therapist since 2000, and she's a CSAT, which is a certified sex addiction therapist since 2013. She's taught courses at BYU, counseled many students at the Women's Services and Resource Center, where her eyes were open to the world of sexual addiction and trauma. Amy's life has been affected by sex addiction in a personal way. She knows the struggle, the shame, and the guilt that the addict experiences. She has found it rewarding to facilitate individual change and work with family system to ensure long-term growth and change. Amy's a single mom of six. Her youngest daughter has down syndrome and raising her has taught her countless life lessons. And you can find Amy on Instagram at ask Amy Andrus. And I asked Amy to come on this episode specifically because Amy taught me how to sit in my feelings. And so that's why you're here today. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I remember years and years ago, probably I would say over a decade ago, I was in, I was in therapy with a family therapist. So not with you. And I remember we would go every single week and not make any progress. You know, we were just going and I didn't say a lot. I didn't know what was going on, but she would say regularly, well, how does that make you feel? And what do you feel? And I would just look at her blank and I, and it wasn't because I'm stupid. I weren't feeling. Yeah. I, I just truly, I didn't know. You didn't have a language for what you were feeling. Yes. Yeah. So I would say therapists assume that we, that we know how to feel right. I think that is the, the first, are you okay to, am I, my sound? Okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the primary, um, the ways that therapists first misstep is by making an assumption that clients have a language for feelings when they don't most people. And I would say most people, I know studies have identified that on average, people can name approximately three feelings. Most people come from homes where there's not an emotional language Mm. that is taught. They don't have an emotional language. So when therapists make the assumption, what are you feeling? Most of the time people are feeling a lot, Mm. but they don't know what they're feeling. They have never been taught an emotional language. So um, I think that's one of the first missteps that therapists can make is by assuming that their clients have an emotional language for how they are feeling. Yeah, I love that. And you were the first one who introduced me to the feelings will. And I've been sharing that for a long time because it opened the world for my kids. You know, they could get off the bus and I had emoji chart. It was, you know, cause they were little and they didn't know the right words. 
but they could look at the faces and point to how they felt when they were at school. And what I noticed is that instead of, you know, if I kept it on the fridge and they would point to it after school, they wouldn't blow up on me. Right. Cause they were at least starting to recognize that was my day. They, they were slowing down enough to see how they were feeling. And truthfully, when I started doing the work, um, like one of my very first men's groups, I recognized, okay, these, this, this particular group, they have zero idea how they're feeling. So I said, okay, next week I am bringing in an emoji chart and I printed off an emoji chart. And that, that was before I had, I began using the feelings wheel, but it was actually an emoji chart to have them first just slow down and even recognize um, what they're feeling. So most people don't know they don't have an emotional language that is more common than people who do. Yeah, that makes sense too. And I'm thinking when I have girls who join my women's groups for recovery after betrayal, one of our daily check-ins is to use the feelings wheel. And that first, you know, they get on this zoom call with these women. They don't know, they, they know who I am, but they don't know me, you know, mm-hmm. personally they get on there and they're so anxious. They're nervous. Is this even going to work? You know, they have so many feelings. And when I say, okay, now you have to end of the call, give us some of your emotions. And I want at least five. It is it. I understand what you're saying of most people only have three that they can name. They really do. And that's, I mean, universally study study is not from, you know, people going to therapy. What I also find particularly fascinating is you know, we grow up in homes where we have not been taught a basic emotional language. Oh, so then we get married <laughs> where it's like, we don't have basic math skills, but we should have calculus skills to be able to not only, we don't know what we're feeling, but we're supposed to have empathy for what this other person is feeling. And we don't even know what we're feeling. And so you can see what a recipe for just so much, um, just so much hurt and along the way by a lack of language. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm thinking for me, when I started to recognize my feelings and, and when you taught me how to actually sit in them, which we'll get to, I feel like I started to get to know me for the first time. And it was kind of earth shattering for me. Wait, I'm 35 years old at the time and I'm just figuring out who I am based on how I feel. Right. right. Isn't that crazy that yeah. we can go and it really, it's, it is pain, you know, that even moves us to a place to even look at, okay, what am I feeling? So I think the first thing is just creating an expectation that most people don't know what they're feeling, mm-hmm. that it's really normal not to know what you're feeling, creating that expectation rather than the converse that you should know exactly what you're feeling. Because if you haven't had an emotional language, how would you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know I was different. So if you're listening, you are normal. Normal. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's talk about naming an emotion. I mean, that's where we start. Yeah. That's where we start. So you, you know, we hand you the feelings wheel and I say, okay, Ashlyn, take a second and twist this thing around like, wow. Okay. I'm actually feeling that does several things. Number one, as you just name the emotion, 
it gives your, there is a brain reward even for that process of naming it, which is really cool. It also allows, um, you know, anybody who has gone to counseling or particularly marriage counseling, you're feeling such intensity of emotions all at once. We got to slow that down. The feeling wheel, stopping and recognizing what are you feeling that slows that process down enough to be able to identify it. And as you identify what you're feeling, that brain reward comes just as a result of doing that. Okay. And I like saying for my own self, when I can name an emotion and own it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't own me. Absolutely. But, I love that. But when I just avoid and, and we'll talk about that, it just owns me and I stay stuck in that, you know, most of the time, the ones I'm avoiding aren't happy feelings. <laughs> they are the really uncomfortable feelings. I love that because you are taking ownership in that moment. You know, you look before a lot of, a lot of marriage counseling, you can get into the habit of, of well, he makes me crazy. And, and you're talking mm. a lot about the other person instead of I feel, I feel frustrated. I feel helpless. I feel powerless. I feel scared. I feel sad. And then you can, you can own that and be able to move through that. Well, and I think even hearing you say that, even though those are not your emotions right now, I'm like, oh, it it immediately gives compassion to the person listening. Right. Oh, that's a lot. You're feeling a lot. You're feeling a lot. Yeah. Okay. So we name the emotion. How about, does it show up in our body? Absolutely. Emotions are the language. You know, we have thoughts are the language of the brain and emotions are the language of our bodies. Um, that's another, another big part of disconnection. We don't have an emotional language and there is a massive, you know, learning space to be able to learn to pay attention to what your body is trying to communicate to Mm -hmm. you. So what we want is to slow this process down, slow down. What are you feeling? Okay. I feel sad. I want you to scan your body head to toe. Where do you feel that sadness in your body? Um, And again, giving the disclaimer, it is normal if you have not developed that skill set to say, I don't know, but I just want to cry. Okay. You begin by speaking it, scanning, start paying attention because this, it is a skill set that you will develop. But I like to ask the question, scan your body head to toe. Where are you feeling that sadness? Where are you feeling? And start to develop in your body where you're feeling it. Yes. Okay. So you are also the one who taught me this. And I remember, I don't know that I have it anymore, but it was like an outline of a body and you had us show where we felt specific emotions. Mm -hmm. So I started to recognize when I felt anxiety and I didn't realize I even felt anxiety ever. And so it was like, Oh, I feel anxiety in my chest. It starts to spin. I also hear it in my head. It's a broken record. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I started to recognize these things. Um, when I feel threatened, I start shaking, my hands start shaking. I get really hot. Um, when I'm angry, kind of the same emotion, but I'm, I'm definitely elevated. My heart's beating faster, you know? So I remember as I was just learning this and you, I think I, you taught it in the shame resilience class. Yeah. And so I remember going, okay, we've outlined where I feel my emotion. I go to church and I'm in this women's meeting 
and I'm supposed to stand up. And I feel like I remember this. It, it was so embarrassing for me. Okay. So I get up and my job is to read everyone's roles and in, in this organization, you know, in front of everyone and all the, the big leaders are there. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. <laughs> yes. They're not really, I mean, they are sure they are. <laughs> so in my mind, it was a big deal, mm -hmm. but Hey, I got this. So I go up, I get on the microphone, standing over these women. I start to read all through everything. I pick up the paper to go sit down and realize there's a whole other side that I did not fill out. Okay. So I just owned it right then. Okay. I start to feel the spin. I'm feeling totally anxious. I'm embarrassed. I'm spinning in my head. Broken records already started. I, I own it. I'm embarrassed. And I say, Hey, I did not realize there was a whole other side. People are raising their hands. This is my role. This it was cute because people really just, they, they were fine with it. Right. It was not a big deal, Right. but I went and sat down and for 40 minutes, someone else was speaking and giving a lesson. Guess what I was doing? I was not listening to yeah. that lesson. And in fact, it was just the broken record. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the thing that doing Amy taught me. Thing. Like, I don't actually know how to get out of it, but I can feel it. I can recognize it, but I didn't know what else to do. Right. So after the lady finished, I went up to her and I just cried and I was so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. I messed up. And I, I couldn't even hear your lesson. I was so stuck in my head. And she was like, what? I, I didn't think anything of it. And so it was just, it was a really good, powerful moment for me to recognize. I feel a lot and I've ignored a lot and it's kind of ruled my life. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we talk about the stories that we tell ourselves and we actually become quite addicted as you're saying the stories, we become quite addicted to our emotions. Mm -hmm. And so when we are in an anxious, um, perfectionistic, I did the wrong, that looping, um, that's more predictive of how we're going to show up in the world because now how would you show up differently? I probably With all your work. Yeah. If you sat down and you recognized there was a whole other page. What would you do? Differently? Well, I probably would have, I mean, I had some skill at that point where I did just own it and mm -hmm. say, Hey, I need your help. And they did. And I would have sat down and listened to the lesson and been like, yeah, I'm fine. Because How much distress do you think that would cause you now after the work that you have done? Uh, very little. I, it's funny because my kids ask, you know, what's your most embarrassing moment? They're always bodily functions. Just so you know, they, <laughs> Again, ask, normal. they ask everyone, these are the questions, but really mine all include bodily functions, but it's not super embarrassing. Right. I had one just the other day I was repelling and I started my period. That was awesome. Cause they're staring at my butt the whole time. It was not awesome. But I also was like, oh, well, <laughs> what I love um, by doing this work, then you start to change. You know, we have this predictive pattern of how we think and how we feel. And without developing a curiosity into even recognizing what am I feeling and what am I thinking and how is this manifesting in my body? It changes the way you move through the world and it yes. changes the experiences that you have and you show up differently. Yes. And Amy, you saw that in me. I, I, did, I did not see it in myself. Oh, um, I mean, <laughs> amazing. Amy, you said, hey, you should really do this, Ashlyn. You should, yeah, you should. I think you should work on this shame resilience thing. No, I'm super confident. I'm I good. 
I don't need that. And then who needs that? That experience woke me right up. Like, oh, my whole life is filled with shame. (laughs) (laughs) So yes. Okay. So we've recognized we can name it. We can feel it in our bodies. Um, but what if we feel it, we recognize it, we feel it, we don't know what to do with it. Okay. So let's say we go back to that. All right. We're taking these first steps. I have my little wheel. I am taking responsibility for, I feel grief. Where do you feel that? Oh, head to toe. I feel, okay. Then what? That's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. All right. This is where I want to introduce, I want to introduce that coal approach. Um, are we over? How are we? Nope, we're good. I'm just getting a text. Just keep going. <laughs> so I have a couple of different things I want to say. Number one, we look at everyone has negative coping mechanisms that we all use to deal with really difficult feelings. Mm-hmm. Like what, what would be some of yours? Mine is always like soda, food. Um, what are some of yours? I can, well, especially with my girls, we can watch a show on Netflix and then it's, it gets to the point where it says, are you still wanting to watch another episode? And we're like, Oh, it's time to turn it off guys. (laughs) We are checking out TV, um, eating, um, picking up your phone, scrolling, scrolling, checking. Mindlessly. I, yes. I have to catch myself frequently. I run my business on social media and I find myself if I'm bored or lonely, I pick up that phone and open up a social media. And it's like, wait, what am I? No, that's Mindless. not going to make me feel better. Right. Mindless. Um, another one is shopping. A lot of people, you know, it's like, there've been a lot of memes about through the pandemic and, you know, their Amazon mm-hmm. carts shopping. Yeah. Um, for some people it's substance, it's drinking. For some people it's just sleeping and shutting down, spending social media. We all have negative coping mechanisms. Um, and so then we all try to create a list of, all right, what are some positive things I can do instead? And what would some of those include? You know, for me, it's like getting out of wherever I'm at. So if I'm right here and I'm feeling stressed with work, I can get up and go outside and sit on my porch for 10 minutes. I can go on a walk, which is always good grounding. Yeah. Um, so we have these positive things that we can do instead. And this is where it's, we can call, call somebody that we love and have a phone call. We can go outside, take a walk. We can journal. Um, we can read our scriptures. We can read a book. We can, and there are endless, listen um, to a song, sing it, dance, listen to music, (laughs) sing, dance. We have this endless, um, supply and, and lists of the positive coping, coping mechanisms. Now, this is where I find people try to skip the feeling steps Mm. and just go to the list. And so for me, if I feel just really lonely, and so I'm like, Oh, I feel lonely. I don't want to scroll on my phone. I'm going to go outside and go for a walk. So I go to that trail outside my work and guess what? It passes a park. And it seems like everyone else has a walking partner. It seems like people are in the park connecting and I feel more lonely. That is not what I needed in that moment to serve my loneliness. Mm-hmm. When I feel anxious and I try to go to the scriptures or at any other type of book, my mind reads about the first five words and that's about it. That doesn't serve my anxiety. 
it's really important to name what you're feeling, be able to identify where in your body you're feeling it, and then look at your list of what helps me. Walking really helps me when I'm anxious, even really anxious. I might even bust out a jog, which is unusual for me, but you know, <laughs> um, when I'm really lonely or if I'm really grieving, that's when I need my people. That's when I need to actually talk. So it's really important. Um, I'm going to bring up this mindfulness technique to introduce you into being curious and leaning into this, but it's really important to go through the steps so that you can connect with yourself in a really place of, of loving kindness that you are meeting the need for that particular feeling that you're experiencing. Because when I'm lonely, a walk doesn't help me. Maybe it helps you when you're lonely. Well, I always have a dog, so <laughs> that does help me. But I know that feeling of going out somewhere and then seeing all the happy people. And I'm not mad at them and I'm not mad at my situation, but I do feel loneliness. It doesn't fill the space yeah. that you're needing right then. Yep. And so everybody is different. And this is where there are no right, wrong, good or bad. And um, this is what Ashlyn does. And this is what Amy does because we are all unique and we all, um, we need to honor our uniqueness and be able to meet our feelings in a way that actually serve us. So I would guess that making a list, maybe like a brain mm -hmm. dump of like, Hey, these are the things that I know make me smile or make mm -hmm. me feel a little lighter making the list. And then test it, it just practice it. And if it, one doesn't feel good with one emotion, move it to something else. And again, be curious. Okay. I feel lonely. I feel this. Where do I feel it in my body? Okay. I'm going to go to my list of things I can do instead of scrolling, shopping, doing these things. Okay. How do I feel after? Did that seem to meet that need or what do I need now? And go through your list. Um, it's not like you can only use one. Yeah. It's interesting because for me, I have a giant list of, mm -hmm. you know, self-care or things that I can do when I'm feeling really uncomfortable or even happy. I self-care when I'm happy too. Mm -hmm. um, but one of them has been roller skating for years, you know, the nostalgia of it and it's fun, but I have not wanted to do it since January. And I made this group of friends and, you know, they come roller skate, come roller skate. And I've tried a few times and I just, it's not the same. You're not connected to it right yeah. now. And it's, and not it's just like this it's season. Serving you right now. You've yeah. been on a massive, um, hiking your mountains. Yeah. And you know? that's where I'm at right now. And that just, uh, putting one foot in front of the other and then being able to look out at where you have covered, like that has been serving you right now. That makes sense. And going around in circles in a rink, it's not right? helpful it's like, okay, for me. Okay. Hold on. I've been going around in circles. This is not the last, this is the last thing. I need. It's kind of a recipe for life. Right. Absolutely. And there are times when, when hopefully, um, I know that there will be times when you will be able to try that back on and oh, it will be sure. what you need. Yeah. And with the right group, like I'm going to go on Monday and it, but it's with my girls, my kids, and then my friends and it's for an hour. So I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. But yeah, they're it's serving a different purpose, right? Yes. Yes. So thank you for that reminder. It's no, not the season. It's not the season. Yeah. Okay. So where do I begin after that? You talked about a coal method, C-O-A-L. Okay. So one thing you'll learn about therapists, therapists love acronyms. 
And I think it's some overcompensation, but people say like everyone medical does, but I, I think therapists especially are like, blah, 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 and it, yeah, anyway, it helps so us like, remember. So, but the acronym COAL, so if you are taking notes, the acronym COAL, this is as in COAL that you don't want to get for Christmas, C-O-A-L. <laughs> oh, yes. um, it's a mindfulness technique that was developed by Thich Nhat Hanh. And I told Ashlyn, don't ask me to spell it. Um, <laughs> so the C stands for curiosity. And I love that word, curiosity. That is a word for me that is so expansive. I love that word. Yeah. Having curiosity, what am I feeling? The O stands for openness. Being open to feelings just are. They are not right, wrong, good, or bad. Just being open to feelings are given to us to help us navigate our world. Um, A is acceptance. Accepting what we are feeling, again, without judgment. There is no judgment. There is not a um, right, wrong, I'm having good feelings, I'm having bad feelings. They are not right, wrong, good, or bad. They just are. The part of the cold approach I, I appreciate the most is the L, and that is loving kindness. What do we need to do? How do we serve ourselves in a way that is compassionate and loving to ourselves? What is it that we need? And that is the question I, I think that is asked the least, but needs to be one of the most important questions that we ask ourselves throughout every day, several times, what do I need? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it's those emotions, the way our body is feeling, they're just cues, right? Right, where I like the being curious and even saying, hey, why do I feel some of these things? And I'm open to the idea that maybe I caused some of this, right. or maybe someone else did. And right. I'm not placing judgment. I'm, it is what it is, right? Um, and then the figuring out what we need. What do we need? That's a, a huge step for a lot of us, oh. especially, I'm going to say women, because I am one, but I was raised to not really recognize what I needed, not on purpose and not intentionally. It was just serve other people serve. and, you know, put other people first and you come last. And if you take care of yourself, you are selfish and people won't like you. They'll look down upon you. And, and then now I'm realizing it as an adult, it's backwards. No, it's totally backwards. And I think those of you who are religious, I will say, you know, you love others as you love thy self. Mm -hmm. So your capacity, what you will have, the amount that you have will only be equal to how you love yourself. And if you are ignoring your body, ignoring your feelings, not asking, you're, you're not loving yourself yeah. and you're limited in the love that you can extend. Okay. So this may sound just, just listen to me for a second. Okay. I'm not, this is like a you could judge me right here, but it's okay. Me? No, oh, the, the listeners, like, you're not going to judge <laughs> me. I know you won't. But this year for me has been a, probably one of my hardest years, but I'm not showing up in my hardest moments, right? In not in my old ways, right? right? I've, I've learned a lot of things. I've practiced what I preached for years upon years. Okay. 
I really do believe that the self-love that I've learned and worked so hard to gain has me where I'm at, where I can start a podcast, where I can still help people. And I have friends who are concerned. Are you sure you should be working? You should, you should be falling apart on the floor. And I'm like, no, I just know how to grieve. Absolutely. Amy taught me how to do this. Absolutely. You have been, and, um, you know, you talk about be the Buffalo you have been, you have felt every hard feeling. You have not run no. from one thing. And there's always new ones. You know, I when know. you divorce, it's layered sadness of like, oh, there's this new thing that I, now I'm sad about, I you know? know, I know. So it's still there, but I'm, there's so much of this ability to feel, to accept, to be curious and to ask for what I need. Well, and to not be afraid we don't need to be afraid of mm -hmm. painful emotions um, because life is going to be full of, you know, one of the things the, we want to increase our capacity to feel peace and love and joy and wonder and just all of these mm -hmm. beautiful, but that also means that we have to be open to feeling the painful, the, yep. the grief and the fear and the but not to be afraid of it. Yeah. Um, my mom, she's my very best friend. Anybody who knows me knows that. And I'm losing, like I'm in the process of losing my mom. It's okay. And the only way I will be able to get through that is just by feeling it. And it's not, you just can't be afraid of feeling the painful ones because that is what gives us access to just the incredible ones as well. It's so true. And yeah, loss and grief is, I think, some of the hardest feelings to feel. And they are the ones that I've run from in the past. That's Those were my cow moments, you know, where I'm choosing to be the cow over the buffalo. But this is the story of the buffalo. I mean, choosing to face your your feelings. And I, you know, I, I hear the charge of the storm, like run into it. And I don't even know that we need to run. I agree. We just need to face it. I agree. We, it's, I, I, I love that. You're saying run sounds yeah, really exciting. That's heavy. And right? no one wants to do that. But just even glancing up. Okay, storm, I see you. And actually, I feel you. Mm -hmm. huh, this is, this is actually, I mean, it's not all bad. Yeah. The, the intensity is cleansing and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I love that you don't have to charge. You can face just face that storm. If you need to stand and soak it in, or you need to walk or you need to run however you need to. Yeah. And it really is the, if we can do exactly what Amy has taught us today, that is being the Buffalo. Absolutely. Because it will get you through those emotions in a not quicker, faster, but also yes, quicker, faster way. Cause we're not stuck. Well, a way that honors yourself. Yes. And so you're the Buffalo by asking yourself the question, what am I feeling and where am I feeling it in my body? Doing that is being the Buffalo to mm -hmm. honor yourself to ask instead of running from difficult feelings, which then just keeps us stuck in stories that don't serve us. Um, that are mostly not even true and yeah. behaviors that don't serve us, that keep us disconnected from ourselves and those that we love the most. Yes. And feeling 
the most amazing feelings. Yeah. And, you know, for some of these feelings, learning that, okay, I feel resentful. Oh, this must be why. Okay. It's, it's allowed me to move into being boundaried and to making huge shifts in my life with friendships, with family, with work where I can own my life now. And it started with this simple practice. Well, and not having judgment for your resentment, being curious about your resentment. What do I need? You know, open acceptance. What do I need? Well, I love this person, but I need to put in these boundaries so Mm -hmm. that I don't feel resentment. Yeah. Because I hate that feeling and I lived with it for so long. And so being able to say, nope, this is how we're doing it. I don't want to have resentment. So I hope if you're listening, you, I hope you don't have our story of, you know, betrayal and divorce and all these things where you really have to go and feel those feelings. Maybe you haven't been compelled to go and feel all of these hard losses and griefs, but this practice right here is something that both of us teach to, to men and women. And it's a skill that most are compelled to learn, but if you can learn it and just say, Hey, I just want to start doing this and maybe teach my kids. It can change your world. It, it not, it, it will change your world. And this is one, this is the human part of, you don't have to have these specific experiences, um, but you need to learn how to recognize what you're feeling so you can move through life in the happiest, most peaceful, beautiful way possible. Yes. Thank you. You're awesome. Okay, Amy, I want to know what was two questions. Okay. Amy, one year ago, what would she be proud of you t- for doing today okay. or recently? Well, I will say me even sitting down and doing a podcast with you. Thank you, Ashlyn, for saying, Amy, I'm on the podcast and do a <laughs> podcast because I can hide from that. So you have pushed me to be brave and to do a podcast. I wouldn't have been doing this a year ago. Um, I'm thinking about that question when you asked earlier and what I can say, what I'm most proud of is to be able to walk through like going through the pandemic, um, and be able to hear and perspective take this group of people feels fearful. This group of people feels fearful without having judgment for either group Mm -hmm. of people. And that's what I, I really want is just for all of us to be able to stay centered with our own stuff, our own beliefs, our own feelings, and reduce judgment that we have in our relationships and understand that we are all the same with what we are feeling. Yes, I love that. Without it being right or wrong, good or bad. Yes, we need more compassion. Just compassion. Yes, and you are good at that. Okay. Um, your be the Buffalo moment. Is it the same? The podcast podcast for sure. (laughs) Um, Ashlyn really nudged me for the podcast. And with that, she's like, okay, you need some photos. I have never taken a private photo shoot. That was like, oh, that was, so you have nudged me into quite a few of those be the Buffalo moments. Oh, isn't that a full circle? She nudged me and I nudged her. Yep. (laughs) Right back. Continues to. Awesome. Okay. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this podcast episode. I really did. And I still learned some things, even though I've been practicing this for a lot of, a lot of years. So we'd love to hear your feedback. If you have some, shoot me a message. Okay. Bye.
Bye. Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.